Welcome to the Out of the Deep End Podcast. Now, it has been a while since I have done a cast um, for a very simple reason. It's not because I haven't had inspiration. It's not because I haven't been wanting to create one. It's actually because of the intro music that I chose to use. And even though I paid for this intro music so that I could use it legally, every time I tried to post it somewhere online, I would get a notification that I did not have the rights for this video and that um, I wasn't able to share it or I wasn't able to monetize anything, which that's kind of the whole point eventually, right? Is that enough people would listen that you would be able to monetize your work. So I had to create my own input um, or intro track and that took a while and it's, um, it's not brilliant, it's not the best. Someday I will work on it, I will write one that's better, but for now it will suffice. So the good news is that I am able to do some podcasts again and then distribute them and try to get all the channels set up so that I can actually um, make some money from this eventually. That would be brilliant, wouldn't it? So today I wanna talk about um, something that I've been thinking about doing for quite a while, and that's I was a high school teacher for 22 years, so I've spent a good part of my life analyzing literature and characters, and I studied creative writing at Stanford University and um, written a couple novels, and I'm still trying to become a good writer, but what I have learned through that entire process is that it takes time to learn your craft, and in order to learn your craft, you really have to get inside the heart and the soul and the minds of the characters that you are writing. And as I have studied psychology and I've studied clinical mental health, I have realized that watching movies, series, reading books, um, talking with people about their lives, what we're really doing is we're giving ourselves an opportunity to take a look inside of ourselves. And that's really why we enjoy reading books and watching movies so much because we get to live vicariously through these amazing characters and we get to experience something that we never possibly could experience. And the more that we understand our characters, right, the more we understand ourselves. And that's the brilliant, the beauty of, of literature. Well, as I've been watching these episodes and I've been thinking about mental health and how I can help people, I kind of put it together and said, you know what? I really would like to talk to people about some of my favorite characters and what we can learn from those characters and how those characters help us. So for our first one, I want to talk about Coach Lasso. And if you don't know who Coach Lasso is, I say right now, go to Apple TV, sign up. Even if you're going to sign up for one month and then cancel it, that's fine because you can binge watch the entire series. It goes by very quickly. There's only two seasons. And you will really appreciate some of the values, some of the things that he teaches us about how he approaches life. And if you are an athlete or if you are a coach, I highly recommend it because he does everything that us coaches wishes that we could do all the time. Um, but we know that it's a series, so he actually does it better than anybody ever could, even John Wooden, right? Some of the things that he does, you'll, you'll hear from John Wooden's uh, philosophy and many of the great coaches out there. 
So what is it that makes Coach Lasso so great? Well, first of all, let me just give you a little bit of preview. And I don't want to do any spoilers. Um, I would give a warning if I were going to say something. But let's stay away from that. I'm going to just talk about the first half of the first season. So we're not really giving anything away. But Coach Lasso is an American football coach who coached Division II football for uh, Wichita State Shockers. And in one year, he took his team from nowhere to winning the D2 championship. And so he is hired by a, an English football team, Richmond Football Club, to go to England and to be their head coach. Now, in this show, this is a premier club at the highest level in England, and everyone thinks it's a joke that they are hiring this American to come and teach European football when he's only coached American football. And if you don't know, European football is what we call soccer. And it's all set up because the owner of the team is the ex-wife of the other owner. I, I, they don't, I, maybe I missed it. It wasn't clear, but somehow through the divorce, she ended up being the owner of the team. Or maybe she was the owner all the time and her husband was just running it and he loved it, right? So he, she wants to get back at him by destroying the team. And so here comes Coach Lasso, right? Her mission to destroy the team by bringing a coach who knows nothing except he knows everything that he needs to know to be successful because it's not about the X's and the O's. It's about his approach to people. So there are five things that I want to point out that he does remarkably well. And these are five things that we can use in our own life. He is, number one, authentic. Two, he's incredibly insightful. Three, he's compassionate. Four, he is patient. And five, he is selfless. Now, if we were to take just those five things and apply those things to our lives, we would probably be a much better people and we would probably live in a much better society. So let's talk about, I'll, I'll, I'll get to those and apply those to our lives, but let's talk about how he uses these. All right? So first of all, he's authentic because he goes out of his way to make people matter. He makes you feel like you matter. For example, in the story, this the owner of the club who's out to destroy the club, he brings her cookies. And they are the most amazing cookies, right? They call them biscuits. And he, he kind of jokes about that. He's making jokes of all the differences between the English and American language the whole time. So it's quite comical. But he brings her these cookies every morning and they have a little talk. And at first she's very resistant, but she really loves the cookies. And we don't find out until later that he is baking the cookies all by himself. So every night he goes home and he makes these cookies. What a generous way to show that you care about somebody. You know what, though? He doesn't tell her right at the beginning that he's making these cookies. And honestly, I don't remember if he ever tells her. But that's not the point. He's doing something to help her. There's a driver that picks him up at the airport. In the show, he takes a reporter out to eat at that driver's um, restaurant. Why? Because he just cares. Everybody matters to him. There's a girl in the park that plays soccer, and he makes a point to talk to her, to play a little keep away with her, and she always wins, of course. There's also a birthday for one of the teammates and on the team, and then there's also Nate, who is just this ball guy, and he turns him into a coach, and he remembers his name. But the point is, he makes everybody feel like they matter. Now, Coach Lasso isn't perfect. 
He's having marriage problems. As a matter of fact, he left America to go to Europe. One of the reasons is because his therapist, and I can't believe that a therapist said this, but his therapist in the show did, you need to give her more space. Now, we don't know if that's exactly what the therapist said or that's just the way he took it or if that was his excuse, but he does. He gives his wife space, which I would never do because there's a reason couple therapies have couples meet together in therapy. You work on problems together. The only time you separate is when you have a few individual things that you're going to work on. And that's usually at the very beginning of couples therapy. You meet. What are some of your general problems? Let's talk about how you met. Now let's have an individual session so I can get to know each one of you individual and what your concerns are. But we know in couples therapy that nothing you say in the individual therapy goes into a vault. It all is as if you are saying it to husband and wife in the room at the same time. So even though it's individual therapy, it's still a part of the couples therapy. So couples therapy, you would come together. But in this show, he, Lasso and his wife have been separated. He has a son back home, uh, young son, around seven-ish. And so this is very hard for him. So he, life is not perfect for Lasso. But you know what? He says it feels good to laugh. So he laughs. He makes other people laugh. And that's kind of the way he approaches life. And that's kind of his coping mechanism. Not a bad idea. His wife even says we learn that her, his constant optimism is too much for her. And that's one of the reasons that she can't stay in the marriage. So when I hear that, I say, you know, that tells me that a lot of the problems might actually be lying with his wife and not necessarily with him, except if he jokes too much and he laughs too much that he never really listens to her and she doesn't feel like she's being validated, then I can see where that, where that went wrong. But we don't really get enough information, and the show's not really about their marriage. It's just part of the characterization so that we know that he's imperfect and he's, he's a lot like us. Okay, so let's talk about his coaching philosophy because that's really where it comes from. Good coaches have a way of taking what happens on the field and they relate it to real life. So he blows the minds of everybody, all the reporters in England, when he says wins and losses don't matter. He says sometimes you can score more than the other opponents and lose, and then you can score less and win. And that really confuses people. But for him, it's kind of true. Yes, he cares about winning, but he realizes if you focus only on the winning, then you're going to miss all the other things that actually you have to have in order to win. Right? And he's not perfect in when it comes to sports either. As a matter of fact, we don't really get the sense that he is a great technical coach, but he surrounds himself by the right people. He has this assistant coach that plays chess in his head, right? He can have a game and just call out knight to right, um, bishop, rook, four, whatever, however that works. But he can play the chess in his head. So we know that he's brilliant. And whenever there's something that comes up in the game where they need some actual coaching, he kind of defers to his assistant coach. And then I mentioned before that there's this ball boy, Nate, who becomes a coach, and he's actually quite a good tactician too. But most importantly, he knows European football, and he can kind of teach them those ropes as well. So he surrounds himself by all these, these guys that matter. And he chooses on the team. The, the captain's already the captain, but he knows that's the guy I need. If we get him, we'll get the whole team. All right. So 
his coaching style is wins and loss don't matter. It's how we treat people. It's how we go about it. These relationships that I develop with the, these men, whether we win or lose, that is what they're going to remember. And that is what, that, what, is what matters. And I, I can't tell you how many times in my own schooling um, in different programs, whether it was my doctoral program, whether it was my clinical mental health um, licensed professional counseling program where I had to write a paper about someone that meant something to me. And at the heart of those papers, it's always getting to the same point. Who do you remember the most? Well, we tend to remember the people that make us feel good about ourselves. So if I think about past teachers, if I think about past um, bosses, um, if I think about past people who have been influential in my life, whether it's writing or whether it's in the church or whether, right, wherever it is, it's about the people that you feel are taking the time to listen to you. They make you feel special because they give you time. And so that's kind of what, what Lasso does so well. He's very insightful, too. He sees in others what they think no one else can see. And by honing in and seeing the truth of the person, he's spreading his own authenticity. He's also incredibly compassionate. He says to his own team, change can be scary. But most of the time, change is actually a good thing. And he, he talks about being brave by going out there and doing what you have to do, even if you are afraid. Like I said, these are great life lessons that we can apply in so many ways to our own lives, okay? Finally, I want to talk, talk about how patient he is. Because he even says to his wife too, right? Or he doesn't say it to her, but this is his philosophy with his wife. And he talks about this. He says, if you love them, set them free. If they love you, they'll come back to you, right? Now, that is the general saying. And he doesn't say that word for word, but that's really what he is meaning, so he's giving her space. He's setting her free. Unfortunately, it doesn't work to his plan, right? Because like we said, he sometimes giving too much space means you're putting distance, you're putting a gap, and you will lose someone if you just let them go too far. So while there is some truth to that statement, you know, I, I, would, I would give him space, but I would keep him in sight. And then the other thing that he does is when he sees a problem, like there's two guys on the team that just do not get along, and they are both the leaders. One's the captain, the other one's the best football player or the best soccer player. And he can see that there's some bullying going on in the locker room. And so the, the captain comes to, his, it comes to him and says, do you see what's happening here? Aren't you going to do something about that? And he says, no. And the captain just kind of shakes. Well, like he's surprised, like, what? He says, well, if a teacher tells a student to stop bullying another student, that's never going to turn out good, right? So he kind of gets that. But what he's really doing is he's wanting the captain to actually stand up and start becoming a captain. And he gives all the players books to read, and all the books are significant for something that they need, right? and his is, I, th I think it's A Wrinkle in Time, um, but it's about the main character who was a girl, and the captain doesn't appreciate this, but it's about her struggling with leadership. And when he's reading this book to his niece, he gets to a point, he just says the F word, right? And he throws the book down because he got it. And he realized that Coach Lasso understood something about him 
that he needed to understand about himself. And then he goes and he confronts about the bullying and he starts stepping up and they mend that relationship just enough that they can start playing together. And it makes a big difference, right? But I, I won't give away what happens because then there's a big plot twist right after that and it sets the show off into another direction. And so when I think of Bill Lasso's philosophy and I, and I think about common sayings that we have, you can turn lemons into lemonade. That's kind of what he really does. He believes in his system. Even if it's full of lemons, he doesn't try to fix them straight away. He's incredibly patient with them, and he gives it time to develop. And he realizes that there's going to be resistance to his philosophy because people aren't used to it. People aren't used to other people being genuine, being insightful and compassionate. They're not used to other people being patient, and they're certainly not used to other people being selfish. And one of the best moments, I think, is when they finally win a game, and the crowd is screaming a nickname that they've given him. And it's not a good nickname, right? Now, in English, in America, we hear this word, and it doesn't really carry much meaning for us. And the word is wanker. But if you are from Britain you know that you're actually calling someone a masturbator, right? So it's, it's, it's one of their pejoratives. It's a bad word. But he just kind of takes it off. And so what's interesting is the fans, when they're losing, is screaming at him all the time, calling him a wanker, wanker, wanker. But when they win, they use the same word, but their tone has changed significantly. So it has become a term of endearment. And I think about, there's so much going on in our society right now, and, and I'm, purposefully I'm staying away from politics. I don't want to talk about politics. It triggers too many people. But I do want to say one thing. All the focus on words, we've kind of lost focus of the intent and the interpretation of words. I can use a word, and it can really trigger someone. And I'm really sorry if I ever use a word that triggers someone, especially if I didn't intend it. That meaning for me has a very different meaning. And it's hard for me to understand how everybody else is going to interpret a word. So I really love what they do in this show with this pejorative. They take a word. It's an ugly word. It's meant to be hateful. It's meant to be hurtful. And they turn it into something that is actually a compliment. And so... We say sticks and stones, right, can break our bones, but words can never hurt us. Well, lately, words have become sticks and stones in our society. And I really hope at some point we can learn something from Bill Lasso and realize they're just words. And I do not have to let all these words hurt me. And then we can turn something ugly and make it into something beautiful. And so I coached girls volleyball for a long time. I I can say that I understood a lot of these things, but I failed miserably a lot when I tried to do these things. Like I try to be authentic, sometimes I wasn't. I try to be insightful and I really missed the point sometimes. I always try to be compassionate, but yet some of my players hated me because they thought I was hard on them. Try to be patient until the ref makes a bad call and then I only got, I think, maybe two yellow cards in my entire 10 years of, of, of coaching, more than 10 years. But I would lose my patience with refs fairly quickly. <laughs> and then I probably didn't get a lot of calls because of that. 
Um, and then the last one again was selfless. So if I if I really would have understood these, have taken these to heart, I probably would have better been a better coach. And I hope now that maybe I can take some of these lessons, apply them to my life, and maybe I can just be a better person. The things that we can learn from Coach Lasso. So again, if you haven't seen it, please check it out. Let me know what you think. This is Dr. Burnham and the Out of the Deep End Podcast. Have a blessed day.